0: Oh, it's good to be here this morning, but uh, let's just take a minute to pray, and uh, we'll start our service. Lord Jesus, we just want to turn this time over to you, Father. We pray that you would use the words that you've given me, Lord, to touch hearts and lives, to make a difference, Lord, that we might make the most of every opportunity we've been given, and that, Father, uh, through your word, Lord, we can know uh, what we ought to be doing. And so, Father, uh, bless your word and bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, since we're all here today, I'm sure that we've all been given some time. We have time. We, it, it's not something that uh, there's only a short amount of it. Do you remember a song by the birds back in 1965 called Turn, Turn, Turn? Some of the older people probably remember that one. But uh, it, it was, uh, To Everything There Is a Season. It was originally written by Pete Seeger in 1959, but it comes from the Bible, from the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you wanna turn in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter three, I'd just like to spend a couple of minutes just talking about that. Ecclesiastes chapter three says, "'There is an appointed time for everything, "'and there is a time for every event under heaven, "'a time to give birth and a time to die, A time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up is lost a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What profit is there to the worker from what, that in which he toils? I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work of God, which has done from the beginning even to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. In the book of Ecclesiastes, there's a time appointed for everything. God's made everything appropriate in its time, and there's nothing better for us to do than to rejoice and do good in our lifetime. We each have 24 hours with which we choose to do. Each day is a gift from God, and we only have a limited number of them in which to make a difference for Christ in this world. Time is precious. I'm a Star Trek fan, and I remember a, a, st- a story called The Inner Light. Captain Picard, after being touched by an alien probe, lives a whole lifetime. He grows up, he gets married, he has children and grandchildren. He lives this whole, he learns how to play a little flute, and it, it, it's, I love the, the episode. Uh, but at the end of his life, as he says this to his daughter, Maribori. He says, seize the time, Maribor. live now. Make now always the most precious time. Now will never come again. Now. We need to make the most of every opportunity. And the Bible tells us how to make the most of every opportunity in several different times. But today, I'd like to turn to the book of Colossians. If you turn there and we're going to look at chapter 2. I'm sorry, chapter... uh, Yeah, it is two, isn't it? Four. Chapter four, verse two through six. I knew there was a two in there somewhere. So Colossians chapter four, verse two through six. It says this, "'Devote yourselves to prayer, "'keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, "'praying at the same time for us as well, "'that God will open up to us a door for the word "'so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ.'" for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person." Make the most of every opportunity. I think we're going to find three things here this morning uh, that God helps us to to learn how to make the most out of every opportunity. The first thing, we are to be devoted to prayer, devoted to prayer. And that means we must be persistent, watchful, and ever alert in prayer. Prayer. And the verb here is in the imperative tense in the Greek. And so that means it is a command. It's not optional, folks. It's not optional. We're not supposed to just pray whenever we feel like it. We're supposed to pray always. And in my uh, daily Bible reading, I read this passage in Psalms, uh, chapter uh, 80, Psalms 80, and verse 4, and it goes like this. Oh, Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with the prayer of your people? It says that God is angry with the prayer of our people. And I think it gives me grave concern about our world today. Amen. We live in a world that is filled with evil, filled with bad things. And the church is not always praying as it ought to pray. And uh, the Living Bible says it too. Uh, It also adds to that, says that God rejects our prayers. We live in very difficult times. As I read through the Old Testament, the prophets in the Old Testament told the children of Israel over and over again to come back to the Lord. That he he was not happy with what they were doing. He wasn't happy with their sacrifices. He wasn't happy with with just playing the game and doing as as little as possible. He wanted your heart. God wants our heart to be right with him. He doesn't want us just to go through the uh, motions of being a church. He wants us to really be devoted to prayer. The people back then got tangled up in idols. And I think today we can get very easily entangled by the things of this world. And so God is telling us we need to uh, not just go through the motions of prayer, but we have to have a true heart. We need to do a better job in this area of prayer because God is not happy with the state of things. He wants us to be better. Amen? And, you know, we tend to look at prayer as something we do when everything else has failed. Or sometimes we just decide, well, it's not going to work in this case. You don't know my friend. He's never going to change. Well, uh, my neighbor and I were talking last week, and he shared with me an answer to prayer that he had just experienced Money had been tight in their family, and his wife had just been sick for five days in a row, had to take time off without pay, and here it was, the holidays, and how is he going to pay for all these things? And so he he said, I I prayed to God that God would help. And he said a couple days later, he opens up the mail, and in the mail, there's this uh, check, the stimulus check, from the government, and it was just enough to meet the needs that they had. And he was sharing that with everybody that he came in contact with. Um, You know, My neighbor and I have developed a good relationship over the years, and he's looking to God for his needs. He's praying to him all the time. We need to pray that God would hear us, and God will come through. God answers prayers, doesn't he? Yes. Yes, he does. He can. He doesn't always, but he can. Another story, uh, my wife has an encouragement notebook that we've had for several years, and there's a story in there about a missionary doctor from Zaire uh, in Africa. And I think I may have told this before, but I'm going to tell it again because it's good. (laughs) A woman on the mission field had a premature baby, and they needed a hot water bottle to put next to the baby to keep it alive. They went to get the hot water bottle. It was rotted out. And they had nothing to do. They, they covered the baby up as much as they could, and um, they just waited. The next day, the missionary was praying with the children in the compound and brought up the fact that that, uh, they, they needed a hot water bottle, and one of the children prayed this, please God, send us a hot water bottle. It'll be no good tomorrow. Send it today, and while you're at it, please send a dolly for her so the baby will know that you really love her. The missionary just said, God, I don't know what you're going to do. But she waited. And later that afternoon, a package came from her Sunday school class back in, in England that had been sent five months before. She opened it up and inside, jerseys and raisins and bandages. And the hot water bottle. And the girl says, if God sent the hot water bottle, let's get the dolly out too. (laughs) And she races up there and at the bottom of the box is the most beautiful, precious dolly. And she asked, can I go over with you and give the dolly to that baby so that she'll know that God really loves her? God answers prayers. Even before we call, I will answer. Isaiah 65, 24, I don't have it up there, but that's what God says. Even before they call, I will answer. And that's what happened there. God answers prayers. But we need to pray them with the right heart. We need to be devoted in prayer. You know, we we tend to look at prayer as just a way to get something from God. But, you know, prayer is not only a conduit to receive God's blessings. Norman Vincent Peale said it this way. Prayer is not a device to get you what you want. Prayer is a means of bringing you to the point where you will accept what God wants. Amen? We need to accept what God wants When Mary Beth was first diagnosed with lupus in 1994, we wanted God to take it away, to heal her miraculously, and our prayers reflected that desire. But after reading a book entitled Embracing the Wolf about a woman's struggle with lupus, God revealed to us that even if she was never healed, we needed to embrace what God was doing in the midst of her difficulty. Her lupus continues to be an issue, but God with us in every situation is always more than enough. So sometimes God changes the way we look at those situations. In last month's Decision magazine, Ruth Bell Graham uh, had a poem at the very back page of the magazine that expresses this dichotomy of waiting on the Lord in prayer, you know, And it's called Contented Yet Discontented. Teach me contentment, Lord, whatever my lot, keeping my eyes on you in trust, knowing your love is true, your way is just. Teach discontentment, Lord, with what I am, daily striving, growing daily nearer, finding you are daily closer, dearer. Contented, Lord, yet discontented, make me. Both together working, blending all your own glory, ending. God always answers our prayers. He says yes. He says no. And he says wait. But God will always answer your prayer. Devote yourselves in prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. That's how the Living Bible translates that command back in uh, Colossians. No matter what the problem you're facing, you need to focus on God's power and not your problem. I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. Starting in verse 16. So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Elisha is uh, is assuring his servant that God is greater than anything that is against them. See, in this chapter, the Arameans had amassed an army to defeat Israel. But every time they went to uh, take the army towards Israel, Israel knew they were coming because Elisha told the king. And so they averted disaster over and over. The king of Aram was ticked And finally, he said, we've got to get Elisha. And so he sent his army to where Elisha was, encircled the city with this huge army and said, send Elisha out to us. And it was at that point that Elisha said to his servant, look at what's really happening And when his eyes were opened, his servants saw not just the army, the problem that they had around them, but all around the outside of them was the mighty army of God, flashing and lights, and and, and it was glorious beyond all things that they could imagine. That's the reality of where we are in life. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world Devoted prayer will allow you to clearly see that those who are for you are far more than those against you. Focus on God's power, not your problem. We need to go to prayer with that mindset. God will answer our prayers, but we need to realize that there's a lot more going on in this world than what we can see right here in front of us. Those problems are sometimes conduits to victory. Those situations are sometimes ways that God brings about His very best good in our lives. Amen? But we need to be devoted to prayer. Now, the second thing back in Colossians um, that, that, that the, this section is telling us is that we need to conduct yourselves, verse 5, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. It tells us to, to conduct ourselves with wisdom, to walk in wisdom is the way that King James says it. In the Greek it says, in wisdom walk ye towards the ones outside, the time redeeming. And the word there for walk is peripateo. It's one of my favorite biblical words. It's, it's especially talking about the Christian life. And in theology, there's a whole section called peripatology, the Christian walk, how we ought to live our lives on a daily basis. It's it's a great study if you want to get into some theology about how to walk your life in wisdom. That's something that we can do. We're especially recommended to deal rightly with those outside of the church. Uh, Before I miss this too, the verb here again is in the Imperative. So this is not something that's an option. This is something that God commands us to do. We are to walk in wisdom. Um, The the Shakers uh, were a sect of of Christians uh, back in on the East Coast. They they used a concept called borrowed light in building their houses. Windows in interior walls and closets let light in to the darkness in the dark corners of their lives. And, and the idea here is, is God's light shining into all my dark corners? And am I allowing His light to pass through me and shine on to others? We need to be a conduit of God's light, of His love. Of his resources. We need to allow that to be shared with everyone we come in contact with. That's wisdom. J.I. Packer says it this way Wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. We need to scour the word. To find the best and, and the most appropriate way to deal with every situation. This is the, the manual. Amen? Amen? Don't leave home without it. You've got to have the manual so that you know how to live in wisdom. And then the other thing that that verse says is redeeming the time. Making the most of every opportunity. It, it's got the idea of making the best buy in the market. Y'all like to make a best buy in the market? I know I do. When I was working on my cars back in a long time ago, <laughs> I would call every part shop to make sure I got the best price on the part that I needed for my car because I was cheap and, and uh, you know we didn't have much money, but God supplied and that was redeeming the time. That was making the best buy. Uh, we had roast beef, and carrots and potatoes for Christmas dinner, and I always go to Stater Brothers to get the very best meat. You know, I, Usually I shop at Winco, but if I want to get the very best meat, I go to Stater Brothers because they've got the best quality and it's always on. Anyway, making the best buy, amen? You can relate to that? That's what we're supposed to do with our walk, with our daily life. We're supposed to make the best buy. Uh, When it comes to money, most people look at how much they might lose. Wise people look at how much they might use for others. Amen? How are you using your time? How are you using it for others? You know, wisdom tells us that we need to find significance in the insignificant and the divinely fantastic in the familiar. The book of Proverbs is filled with all of these little jewels, all of these little pearls of wisdom. And and so I'm going to give you some pearls of wisdom. Our God fills the mundane with meaning, those daily activities that you have. Being awakened to daily life as an endless avalanche of undeserved gifts is to find to your delight that you are living a joyous life. May the challenges you face today grow into possibilities and blossom into blessings. And Jesus, thank you for turning our past miseries into present ministries. Amen? All those things, every area that you've walked in life, God wants to use those in a ministry. God wants to touch other people with them. God doesn't waste anything in your life. Every opportunity you have can be made the best of. But you need to choose to do that. You need to choose to walk that way in wisdom. St. Francis of Assisi tells us how to walk in wisdom this way. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and that it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. God wants to use every moment of your life to walk in wisdom. I can remember an illustration of walking in wisdom. A few years back at the Seattle Special Olympics, Nine contestants, all physically and or mentally disabled, assembled at the starting line for the 100-yard dash. At the gun, they all started out, not exactly a dash, but with a relish to run the race and finish and win. All that is except one little boy who stumbled on the track, tumbled over a couple of times, and began to cry. The other eight heard the boy cry. They slowed down, and they looked back, and then they all turned back around and went back, every one of them. One girl with Down syndrome bent down and kissed him and said, this will make it all better. Then all nine of them linked arms and walked together to the finish line. Everyone in the stadium stood, and the cheering went on for several minutes people are still telling the story. Why? Because deep down, we know this one thing. What matters in this life is more than winning for ourselves. What matters in this life is helping others win, even if it means slowing down and changing our course. Amen? Especially at this time of year, God may be saying, slow down and change your course. Walk differently. Make the most of every opportunity. It's our daily walk in wisdom that we can change the world. You know, that Doug's been telling us about that, right? That's, that's our purpose. We're part of the mission of Christ. We want to change the world. Love God, love people, and change the world. This is the way we do it. Day by day, in every choice that we make, to choose Christ over the world, to choose the best over what the world says. Amen? Walk in wisdom. And then the final thing in Colossians, in several places, verse 3, 4, and 6, it talks about uh, gracious speech. It says, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open to us a door for the word so that we may speak. Speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. And then verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Let your conversation be gracious. The verb, again, it's in the imperative tense. So we need to speak with grace. Seasoned with salt. Salt is a preservative that keeps food from going bad, and it's a seasoning that, uh, that helps the taste of food. Amen? I've got to have my salt. Our speech needs to have a preservative character, and it should be tasty. What we say should be tasty. 1 Peter uh, 3.15 says it this way. Okay. <laughs> But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Always be ready to give an account, you know, with gentleness. And, and the word apologetics comes up, another, you know, one of those uh, theology words. Uh, apologetics is important. It's, it's having an answer to make a defense uh, to defend the faith. We need to know how to defend the faith. We need to know about this word of God. We need to study it. We need to put it into our hearts. Our speech needs to bring people to, into the gospel and not to chase them away. And then also Second 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Study to show yourself approved is what the King James says. We need to study it. We need to put it into our hearts day in and day out. It's important that we take the word so that our speech might be filled with grace. It can't be filled with grace just from us. It has to come from here. Amen? The Word of God will inform our speech. The Word of God will give us something that's worth saying. The Word of God is important. Amen? So with that in mind, me being a teacher, an old retired teacher, I'm going to leave you with some homework assignments. Okay? Everybody got your paper out? You can write down your homework assignment here. First one, Hebrews 13, 1 through 21. And especially at the very end. Uh, It says, uh, now the God of peace who brought up from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus, our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 20 and 21 of chapter 13. Everything before that leads up to that. This is how you are equipped to do every good thing in his will. you want to do every good thing in his will? Well, then read through that first part of Hebrews. It's full of good stuff, full of good ways to walk in wisdom and to have gracious speech. And then the second one is in 2 Peter 1:15. 15. 2 Peter 1, 1 through 15. As Paul is approaching the end of his life, he leaves directions on how to grow in grace to those he loves. That whole section will give you ways to grow in grace. Amen? So that your speech may be filled with grace. And then the third thing that I want you to do is to worship the Lord. Listen to gospel music, folks. Listen to Christian music as much as you can. Uh, in Gospel Song by Rhett Walker, it says, Ain't nothing like a gospel song. Makes me want to sing all day long. Sometimes, about that amazing grace, sound of praise makes my trouble seem not so strong. Let me hear a heart set free, holy Bible to a melody. Turn it up and then play it again. Play it again. Play it on and on. Ain't nothing like a gospel song. Amen. There's nothing like a gospel song. And uh, let me leave you with three of my current favorites. Come What May by We Are Messengers. You got to listen to that song. It is awesome. For the Good by Riley Clemens. For the good, for the good. He makes all things for the good. Amen? Amen. Good stuff. You need to get that in. And and a song called Smile by Sidewalks Prophets. Choose to smile. Smile. Sidewalk Prophets is one of my favorites. Our grandkids come over and we, we get excited about Sidewalk Prophets. They're a great group. But fill your mind with gospel music, amen, and study the Word of God, all right? In conclusion, we only have a finite amount of time to live for the Lord here on earth, but we need to make the most of every opportunity, Whatever situation you find yourself in this morning, look for ways to redeem the time. Devote yourself to prayer. Walk in wisdom and season your speech with the grace of God. Always being ready to give an answer to those who ask, to give an account for the hope that is in you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for... Uh, teaching us this morning. Thank you, Lord, for encouraging us to walk the walk and be the people of God that you've called us to be. We thank you for all of these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. amen.